0: There is a classical text in the Buddhist uh, tradition, which is uh, an exploration of areas and fields of awareness in life that need and deserve our clear attention, clear observation, and. Much of the teachings and the practices in the tradition, in the Buddhist tradition of insight meditation is based in, and has its foundation on one particular talk or teaching uh, from the Buddha. And in this talk with you this afternoon I'd like to give some commentary from a practical standpoint. So it's referred to as the Four Foundations of Awareness Four Foundations of Mindfulness and what that is succinctly saying is that relationship to our physical life, body the relationship to feelings, emotions, second thirdly, the varieties of states of mind that we have, agreeable and disagreeable ones First, and fourth, what we give attention to in the world around, what we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, etc. And in the second one, which is what I'd like to focus on this afternoon, there it says, one sees the feelings in the feelings. So, quite often, just to speak generally first, and I'll focus in on this, when we uh, take notice of our uh, existence, we can say, well, here is my life going by, and here I am as a human being, I'm going through from one day to the next, and my uh, inner life of feelings and thoughts and moods and states of mind, and." Uh, quality of my attention and how I see things it makes up my whole view of myself uh, the world around and how I live and exist and in all of this we find too that we are relating and connecting with each other and sometimes, but not always we are also picking up and sensing what other people's feelings are, what their particular state of mind actually is in the moment and sometimes we can perceive that uh, accurately and sometimes when we look to others we select, we pick out particular things and sometimes we draw a view, an opinion about that person in the moment, in the contact we might be right and sometimes we're off the wall and we haven't got it right at all and the person is very quick to tell us and sometimes they're quick to tell us but what they tell us, what is, may not be true so here's the world going by we're having contact and interaction with each other we sometimes use interchangeably words like feelings, intuition, instinct easily get confused together and yet clearly feeling life and the intensity of feelings, called emotions have an extraordinary impact on our relationship to life and as it is often said how quickly and how easily at times we lose the direct access to what you feel. So, it's not unusual, just in communication with each other, we say, oh, how do you feel? And then we give some one-line, one-word response, OK, alright. Or, if it's someone who's got a professional uh, capacity, they say, how do you feel? Oh my God, and then one starts to give the whole story of how one feels so the world of feelings count a great deal for us and sometimes in this world of feelings that go on there is a gap, there's this gap that I want to be to there's a gap that goes on and one feature of the gap is that if there's quite a lot going on in our feeling life, in our emotional life, about anything whatsoever, one of two things tends to easily happen. let say we're disturbed about something, we agitated about something, something is affecting us quite strongly from past or present, or what we think might happen in the future and it has an impact on us and as I say, one or two things tend very easily to happen one is, we keep thinking about it and the feeling, the emotion around something keeps impacting upon the thought and then we think about it more and the thought, in turn, reinforces the feeling which in turn reinforce the thought we're in a rather distressing and painful loop and we have some peculiar idea in all of that that if we keep thinking about something eventually we'll get tired of thinking about it and then we'll stop thinking about it this is ambition gone berserk what happens, of course, is that we can get terribly exhausted. We lie down on the bed at night. We think, "Well, it's time now to turn off." And those who have ever had, like some of us a rather old car on a hot summer's day, it doesn't happen today too much, and turns the car engine off but the car is overheated and it's still uh, uh, even when they turn the engine up and pull the key out though the mind isn't mechanical it can tends at times to act or, in rather the same way a lot has been going on inside during the course of the day lie down at night no sleep because the engine is overheated during the day in a life feelings, thoughts and emotions and we're still turning over Sometimes, in in relationship to feelings and emotions if we're not thinking about it, whatever that hot issue is we sometimes think, ah, I need to talk about it whatever it is So then we get hold of somebody who we can talk to and in the conversation with that person, we'll talk and talk. Sometimes some people pay for it. And we'll talk with friends, talk with a partner, we we'll ring up somebody, we we'll send a long email or whatever it, it it might be. And temporarily there is some kind of relief. Sometimes in the feeling and emotional life, as the teachings point out, there's a lot going on. There is the wish to get relief, and one of the ways we do it is through language, through words, thinking, concepts, ideas, or through another. It may be temporary a temporary release. Time. Something is going on for us around making a decision. And we live in a culture which tells us lots and lots of choices. People are sitting in the hall here thinking about some of the choices they should make, could make, might make, won't make. And the mind is generating various uh, thoughts and the level of the feelings then can... Go backwards and forwards. Sometimes the nose level of feelings of choices, the choice can can sound quite interesting. We can feel quite attracted towards certain ideas that we have. But then, all too human, we got some other things that we think we like to do, or something that we should continue and every one of them is quite appealing that's the pleasant side of it but then one's got to make a decision oh hell it's great to have these ideas and choices and thoughts and feelings but then one's got to decide something and there is a difficulty in deciding (coughs) so then the feeling goes from pleasant to unpleasant. So choices can produce a pleasant feeling. Decisions can produce an unpleasant feeling. Shall I do this? Shall I do that? Oh, I'm so confused. I really don't know what to do. I might make a mistake. i better go and talk about it with my friend. One goes and talks about it with one's friend. It's always a mistake. Because one friend says, I think you should do this. And i said, no, 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 if I were you, I would do that. And then another friend says, no, what about this? Oh, yeah, it's a great idea. So one starts off with two choices, three choices. The more people you know, the more choices you'll get, and the probability more confusion that will come. Life is a strange experience. And we wonder to ourselves, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we do it to ourselves? What's going on with us where we're producing a range of pleasant and unpleasant feelings, sometimes getting strengthened into pleasant and unpleasant emotions, sometimes rather hard to deal with, producing therefore more and more thoughts to kind of try to cope with it or more and more communication and possibly finding ourselves in a bit of a whirlpool around it in the meditations today we Began turning our attention to uh, the breathing, giving uh, attention with the posture to the body, and perhaps in that turning of the attention uh, directly to the body, perhaps the feeling which we're experiencing, maybe experiencing, you know, where there is something which is unresolved, perhaps we need to step back from talking about step step back from thinking about and see whether or not we can focus put our attention to the body and see clearly where is this feeling in the body where is this emotion in the physical life is there a place or a location where we can find it and sometimes in applying our attention in to use the Buddha's word here seeing the feeling in the feeling that we move away from the words about it the thinking about it, the ideas, the interpretations and some of the agitation that can go with it and instead place the attention and come right back to where the feeling actually is being felt to actually meditate on that to actually get in touch with that and that isn't a conceptual activity it isn't an activity of um, ideas and interpretations and speculations but rather it's just feeling what is there just to be with that feeling. So that in the moment of that, the entire storyline, usually around past, present, and future, the entire storyline has no relevance, no importance. What is of significance is just the direct exploration, and contact with the feeling. Quite often, not always, the location for it is found in the chest, in the stomach, usually somewhere down here. It could be in any other part of the body, but usually somewhere in there. There is a feeling, and there's some contraction around it, some pressure, some tightness. And that pressure and tightness is putting itself and affecting our mental life, our thinking it's affecting sometimes our communication sometimes of course it's affecting the whole posture as well if there's a lot of contraction around an issue that is painful for us sometimes we notice the whole body slump. the whole body feels low the head goes down to the hands, what's happening? The contraction in the heart, in the emotion, in the feeling, is contracting the whole body So the teaching, The Foundations of Awareness and Mindfulness is a teaching which says, essentially, that the whole story line that goes with it isn't really that important as we imagine but what is much more important is, can I have access, begin to sense and feel what, what the feeling is inside the body? Can I put and focus the attention in that location? Can I experience the outer edges of it, the centre of it, and just be with the bare feeling itself, with the interest and with the intention to begin to open out that contraction? maybe it might begin to dissolve maybe this heavy issue that we're going through maybe this crisis maybe this um, problem of who I am and what I'm doing with my life and all the feelings that can be accompanying it maybe all of that becomes secondary as we simply engage as a practice just placing the attention inwardly feeling in the body where it feels strongest that there is is some pressure, tightness, contraction and as I say usually just stomach diaphragm sometimes right down there in the pits of the stomach it can be felt Sometimes it's rather hard to be at ease with that location To take the tension and the contraction out of it but if we can the indicator to us that we are coming out of a painful and distressing situation is that if that is opening up that contraction if we are dissolving some of the impact of it we think differently about it (coughs) We think differently about the crisis. We think differently about the problem. We think differently about the issue. And that indicates to us the proof, the yardstick, that the feeling influence is changing and we knew it's changing because we're thinking differently. Actually, thinking differently about it. We can have half a dozen choices going on for us: shall I stay? Shall I go? Shall I stay and go? Shall I do something else? Shall I not? All these choices, choices, choices. We could build it up into a drama and a trauma of choices, or we could just have a very relaxed view about it And the relaxed view about it will be reflected and shown in how much at ease we are with the feeling. If we're not at ease with the feeling, good luck. Good luck. For ease of them, life is okay. One of the things about this is forget the difference between hindsight and insight. And sometimes in life we have a lot more hindsight than insight. Sometimes we have neither hindsight, I think most people know what hindsight, those of you for whom English is a second uh, language, insight is something immediate. Hindsight happens way after the event. So sometimes we say to each other, oh, in hindsight, uh, I can see that. In hindsight, if this happened to me again, in hindsight, I really understood this in hindsight, now it's so clear to me oh, we've become great philosophers of existence ten years later so this huge time gap or short, weeks, months, years, decades what's after decade? 100 years, what's after that? 5 lifetimes? or whatever Sometimes, in the passage of time we look back and we say, aha now that I have more space around this situation now that I can see it more clearly then, in hindsight, I've got a much better understanding Well, we all know that Insight is essentially to end the gap. That's what the insight is. It's to make what one says, "Oh, now I see." After one month, one year, etc., uh, etc. Et it is to see that insight right now, and it has the same potential, the same capacity. to reveal as clearly as hindsight does weeks and months later so who on earth would want to go through days, weeks and months of struggle over something whatever, all the things that you and I can struggle over and have to wait for such a period to get a bit of hindsight and talk calmly about it, clearly about it, really impress our neighbours with what we understood, etc. Sometimes it comes more quickly. I just had a meeting, met with somebody. These things happen. They happen quite quite regularly. I hear in London, it's fifty percent of the adult population. So well, I'm not much sure what it is in Tottenham. No, it's probably higher. <laughs> Speaking to a, a woman in her mid-fifties recently, who had been got married at the age of um, nineteen. And then, rather unexpectedly, very unexpectedly her husband also in his mid-fifties met with a young woman in her mid-twenties and, more or less, one night he's sleeping with his wife and the next he's moved out and it came, as one might quite imagine, when one spent 36 years with one person enormous shock some of you may have been through this drama of existence or may be going through it right now and the person said to me that for more than two weeks did nothing but cry it was such a shock it was so in, out of the blue tears, tears morning, noon and night and one part a person, a friend and reaches out in that, that kind of sorrow and grief and sense of separation and, and, and loss it. situations like right that yeah. comparable to, to a bereavement and the anguish and the pain of all of that so the intensity of the emotion so strong in such a situation it would be extraordinarily hard for a person to be able to focus their attention on where that is in the body and sometimes one just has to move to move the body, to let the energy flow, to be outdoors, to be in the nature, to contact uh, friends, to talk about what one is going through, uh, etc. as an important uh, resource and healing tool when one's going through such uh, uh, unexpected and uh, distressingly painful situation. And then, out of that, she then reported that sometimes the days begin to go by when she begins to feel her strength a bit more. Begins to feel her independence. Even has thought beginning to arise that there's some value in the change. So she can start to do things that she couldn't do before. She can take more decisions about what she wants to do. She has a more free and independent life. And then she said, that would be flowing along, you know, for a day or a few days or whatever. Feeling that she was now moving on. And then there would be a slump. There would be a drop in the emotions. And then the pain would be of loss and separation and how could he do this to me, and and various views about what uh, how things will turn out, it won't last, and all those other things that, is, that the thoughts run through. But sometimes in all of that movement and change, it isn't easy. Is it possible, again, just to connect and focus with what the feeling is going on in the body? Observe it, be in touch with it, see that it's changing, explore explore it, feel it through, with the interest and with the intention to open that out more. So that uh, instead of the contraction around the story, what's happened to me, why has he done this, and all the pain that goes along with it, to actually to make that contact with the bare feeling, opening it out, and possibly that opening out can stay open a little bit more. And so that one feels, one genuinely can get on with one's life. This is to see the feeling in the field. And as I say, one of the simple yardsticks and criteria for this exploration and this freeing of ourselves up from this entrapment is that when the feeling begins to change the indicator is that the thoughts about it change as well actually begin to think differently about it one of the um Areas of difficulty and uh, uh, exploration of the uh, inner life and the feeling life is how important it is when we look to our feelings and, and uh, look, in, look uh, inwardly to appreciate equally the pleasant feelings of life, the joyful, happy feelings of life, as well as the difficult ones. And it's rather a strange, quirky thing that goes on, and I hear it as a Dharma teacher quite a lot, that we sometimes give more authority to the unpleasant feeling than to the pleasant ones. we'll give others more what we listen to with another we'll give often more authority to the unpleasant feeling or the unpleasant view that goes with it than to the pleasant one and we're not really seeing very well or very clearly so you're in a communication with somebody and in the contact and communication somebody it's going along nicely happily fluidly easily there's the interaction of the feeling life taking place Buddha's emphasis on feelings in the text is just phenomenal tremendous importance of feeling life and in the communication it's going along fairly well and fluidly and then for some reason or other the person gets angry with us a rare human being who can pass through this world without somebody getting angry with us and it's a friend, let us say or a partner or somebody anyway, a a work colleague or whatever, and was quite close in contact with the person. And when they get angry with us, we'll often throw out the one-liner, and it's a popular one, like a mantra it is, oh, now I know how you really feel. How do we do that? Why do we give anger? some absolute yardstick and measurement this is how the person really now I know how you really feel about me and when the person is warm friendly, kind, caring, sensitive, respectful you don't say to them now I know how you really feel about me no, no we give the authority to a person's view of us when it's negative, rather forgetting that this is just what the person is communicating because they see something in us that they don't like or don't approve of because we're human. And we're seeing some they're seeing something, and they've got a bit tense about it, a bit uptight, and then they throw this one-liner. They say something, throw out a few one-liners to us, and then we come back with the mantra. No, I know how you really feel about me. No, we don't. No, we don't. We think we do, and we're constantly engaged in this speculation about how others feel about us. Most of the time, we ain't got a clue. And even if we've got a clue, the clue may not last very long because the person's got the freedom to change their mind in two minutes. So here's a, a strange thing with the feeling life how we feel about each other as well as about ourselves it takes some degree of steadiness in life and meditation is a practice of steadiness to be able to stay steady in life steady enough to accommodate how others feel about us and their right to change their feelings whether they like it or not but also, equally important, can we stay steady with ourselves as our feelings and emotions keep changing? Can we find a place of steadiness? One small contribution, actually not small, it's big, it's called meditation, it's called focusing, it's called mindfulness, called observation it's called going to the feeling and and exploring the feeling inside the body going deeply into that feeling uh, there seeing it change seeing it come and go being much more at home in it right in it and if we can explore that and engage in that perhaps in the eye of the storm of the feeling and the emotion there's a very still very clear place a friend was telling me some months ago Rather interesting, of passing through what she um, refers to as a kind of uh, existential crisis in her life. Rather, rather long word, I have to say, in about 30 years I've never quite worked out what it meant. And um, I don't think even the so called existential philosophers ever worked it out either. But anyway, was, we leave it up to them but sometimes what goes on with our with our life and this can come rather um, unexpectedly one can be flowing along with the day-to-day life rather well rather well, what's the triple, what well, I sometimes call the triple gem three, those of you who know Buddhist tradition, triple gem are three three jewels of existence one's called awakening second is called the Dharma the teachings for awakening and the third is the Sangha men and women gathered together for exploration into existence to realise the nature of existence so sometimes there's the triple gem the three jewels of secular culture I find that it might vary a little bit I suppose it could probably be. Nice job. Nice home. What else? Nice car. Nice pension fund. Nice neighbours. if one's got all all of those three, nice partner, nice kid, nice neighbourhood, you know what it is. And if one's got all of those three together and put any combination of those three and a few others Mm -hmm. there then one's made it. One's reached um, uh, the heavenly highs of what secular culture has to offer. Hallelujah. (laughs) And so this particular person, nice job, nice relationship nice income not too much left to pay on the mortgage um, nice friends good parties to go to Saturday night Yeah, you know. all these things which people love dearly, why not? and then, crisis completely out of the blue, just going along nice city, nice um neighbourhood, da da da, da. Suddenly all going up, going up mid-thirties everything going along nicely and smoothly and then suddenly in the midst of all of this success, you know, a nice life and etc crisis mega, big time and in the impact of it the inner life besieged with doubt. I'm in my mid-thirties. I'm not married. I've got no that I should have kids. I'm wasting my life. What am I doing with my life? Where is it going? What's the point of existence? Etc. Etc. And the friends all saying, "What have you got to worry about? Nice, warm, friendly. Got lots of friends. You're right. you're, you're, you're you're beautiful." you've got a nice relationship with your parents, which is a miracle, and um, all the other things. What have you got to worry about? And despite that sense of harmony, so-called, order, everything appearing to be flowing along well, no history of... Personal problems or like, just an ordinary person living a rather ordinary conventional life and going through and suddenly, seemingly out of the blue, called existential crisis. Not seemingly related to anything in particular, but the internal upsurge of doubt. And there's no special answer to that. There's no methodology, there's no technique when when a human being is going through those kinds of ways. There's no simple solution. And certainly one thing is for sure, there's no prescription. And the last thing often that we want to hear when going through that kind of crisis is somebody prescribing us and then that person says, well, another great mantra, if I were you, oh, people just weep when they hear that one-liner. If I were you, well, you're not me. You're not going through it. Oh, whatever. So in those times of experiences of going, going through that, there is a great turmoil which is going on. But it's a time of change there's an incredible amount of potential with it. It's another, let's use a language again, a wake-up call. It's another shaking up of our existence. And though we might want to get back into the form and to the comfort zone that we were in before, sometimes we need significant impact in our life to make us more awake. And it's worth it, I would say, going through a drama, going through a crisis, if it's helping to shake us up a little bit, or a lot. These persons went on for several months. Sometimes they go on for a much longer period of time. went on to several months and out of that various changes came in the person's life and then the person said to me, after it was over, said, Christopher, you know something? I miss it I miss my crisis when I was in this crisis I felt more alive (laughs) not disputing the view, not disputing But it would be terrible, wouldn't it? That we have to get ourselves into a crisis to feel alive. So sometimes, in the shifts that take place in ourselves, the process of being more conscious, experiencing life without the roles, without being too concerned about the secular triple gem that I just referred to one of the less important things of existence. And therefore our awareness, our meditations, our practices, our explorations, keep reconnecting with life. And if I keep reconnecting with it, then our sense of life can really expand and open up. And if we develop the practice of concentrating, Mindfulness, really observing, really paying attention to the ordinary and the everyday. That power and that inner training and that development can be extraordinarily valuable when we really need to, without pressure, quietly focus, put the attention inwardly into the body, see the feeling in the feeling, go into the feeling without the storyline and just feel that and feel it gently, feel it firmly see if we can just open, expand that out and sometimes in the place where we turn the attention to let's say it's in the chest area, contraction let's say it's in the stomach area, holding or wherever it might be that in placing the attention and the quiet focus into it we may not, it may seem to fade away or disappear, never mind just stay quietly in that locality the feeling, that feeling, that area again and again, and in that, without pressure, as I say, helping to open up that area, in that area, open up our consciousness, and through that, our relationship to experiences, to major events in our life, and the way we think and talk about them will undergo change because the feeling is changing. All of this is part of an important. Uh, uh, awakening process. So that change, focus, meditative awarenesses, and insight start to work together. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into the feeling life. May all beings live with insight and wisdom. So let's have a couple of quiet minutes Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.